Hi, I am Kushbu Munod and you're listening to the Rochester Post podcast with Matt Wyatt. Perfect introduction. How are you today? I'm well. Thanks for asking. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. We've had several of your peers come on to the show in the past, and it's always really helpful to get people from Frisbee Memorial on here to let people know more about the community hospital. Yeah, well, I'm excited to be here. Yes. Well, thank you. And tell me a little bit about what you do. Uh, well, I'm a gastroenterologist. So I'm sure everybody knows about colonoscopies, and I'm the one you're going to see every 10 years, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, I do colonoscopies, but I, it's not only that. Uh, we do take care of other gastrointestinal diseases. Um, you know, you might have heard of reflux or abdominal pains and all of that. Um, I also do a little bit more advanced procedures, um, and uh, there are some procedures which we do, uh, which I'm very proud to say that Frisbee is probably one of the only places providing that type of procedure in the entire state of New Hampshire. So we're pretty proud of that. Um, Yeah. Well, that's awesome because, um, you know, as, as um, things, especially with the pandemic and everything, a lot of services have changed at Frisbee Mm -hmm. and uh, not necessarily because they didn't want to do those services Mm -hmm. anymore, but more because people were not taking advantage of them. So they decided to, in a lot of ways, pull in services that people actually did need here. So I really appreciate some of the things that have changed there for the better, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, while I have everybody's ear, I really want to say that, um, uh, our endoscopy unit, I can talk about that because that's where I work at Frisbee. The endoscopy unit is one of the most phenomenal units I've worked at. Uh, we have top-notch uh, instruments and um, devices. Uh, the quality of care is really at par as one of the best institutions provided in America. Uh, before here, I was working as a faculty in Baylor College of Medicine um, in Houston, Texas. Before that, I was in Mount Sinai, New York. So I have worked at very big institutions in the past before I decided to kind of dedicate my life to a smaller community hospital. And, uh, and we have everything really top-notch uh, to provide excellent quality care. And not only that, I, the people who work, what it actually uh, provides better than other hospitals is, uh, you know, personalized care. Mm-hmm. I have not seen a more dedicated staff towards patient care than here. They are really excellent. So wh- whoever is hesitant to come to Frisbee for doing a colonoscopy, please, I assure you, um, you know, take advantage of what you have. Um, it's really an excellent place. Well, I'm 36, so I think I'm like getting closer and closer to that age where <laughs> I need to start thinking about that. I, I saw a great thing on um, social media recently where it showed like a, an Atari controller or a Nintendo controller, and it said, if you recognize this game controller, then it's time to get a colonoscopy. <laughs> it was like, oh, well, no. I hope you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I recognize that. So I must be, I must be getting closer and closer to that time. Um, tell me a little bit more, you mentioned acid reflux, chronic, yeah. a- tell me more about chronic acid reflux and, so- and how some of these things relate to that, that, you- that you're offering here. Yeah, absolutely. So one fourth of population of America suffers at least some point of their, their time, uh, some point of time of their life in acid reflux. Um, I am sure everybody, um, you know, have tried Tums or something over the counter. Sometimes you do have it more chronically. And in that case, you do need a little bit more 
help in terms of medications. And um, sometimes in some patients, the medications are not providing adequate control. And it's then uh, when we come in picture, you know, initially the only option was really an invasive surgery, but mm. now we can do a procedure which helps with acid reflux where you do not need to take medications forever and you do not need to get an incision. So it's an excellent non-invasive way of controlling acid reflux. And um, all the patients I've done so far, they have excellent results and they're very happy with it. And I hope we get to offer this to other people who are suffering. So often people are afraid to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. So what would you tell somebody that's suffering from some of these things that we've already mentioned? And how, you know, and we've talked about the community hospital and how welcoming it is, how we're attention to personal care and everything. What would you tell somebody that's suffering with this and is putting it off? Yeah, no, uh, a lot of times we just scared of what is going to be the result. Is there something more serious concerning which they're going to find out? And that's why they do not want to t seek help. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, again, you know, we have excellent staff here and if uh, they have any symptoms which uh, they have been putting on the back burner, especially, you know, with the COVID, I would mm -hmm. recommend that, you know, uh, we have all the appropriate, um, you know, uh, preventative measures in place uh, to take care of preventing, you know, infection from transmitting. So, um, you know, now is the time uh, when everybody should come forward. And if you have any symptoms, you know, come talk to us. Yeah. Well, we mentioned colonoscopies. So I yeah. kind of made a joke about it. But yeah. what is the age when people should start to think about getting a yeah. colonoscopy? I'm so happy you asked me that question because um, recently there was an article and um, 45 is the new 50. Initially, it was like a 50-year-old um, when you start screening for colon cancer. But because now we are seeing so much colon cancer in younger and younger people, we have actually reduced the age of starting colonoscopies oh, wow. or starting screening for colon cancer at 45. So I tell everybody 45. 45 is the new 50. So, uh, you know, if you, and most of the times colon cancer is uh, not uh, presenting with symptoms. Most mm -hmm. of the times it's silent. So I would highly encourage everybody to do some sort of screening. If you're really hesitant about doing colonoscopies, then there is a stool test available as well. Though colonoscopy is the best way yeah. because you can actually remove polyps if you see them. Um, and these are the precursors to cancer. So if we are removing these polyps during your colonoscopy, we are actually reducing your future risk of colon cancer. So during the procedure, you're actually yeah. able to do some of that removal. Correct. We're so you're not coming in another time to Correct. do something again. Yes. 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 So it's a one-stop shop, uh, you know, where we take a look for polyps and if we find them, we take them out. Yes. So um, what would happen to somebody if they were to delay that, say, even five years or 10 years? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we are seeing more and more patients who were due for their colonoscopies come in with colon cancers. It's a very sad thing. And, uh, you know, um, they were like, oh, we were supposed to come two years ago and we've missed it because of the COVID. And oh. now they have symptoms and now they have, uh, you know, colon cancer at varying stages. And it's pretty sad, but that's really what we struggle with yeah and that's what you're trying to prevent by yep. keeping people on a regular schedule Correct. and keeping yes. track of that yes. how much do you think covid affected people's schedules like that like that they maybe would have done it two years ago but then covid hit and they 
maybe they put it off not just because of that, but maybe now they've even added more time. You know, how much did COVID really affect that kind of I, stuff? I'm not sure I have a clear number, but I would say it, is, it was pretty significant because for almost like a year, year and a half, we had actually paused all the, you know, elective procedures altogether. Mm-hmm. So that delayed. And then, you know, what? now we have an extra backlog. So, you know, once you even call, then we have longer wait time to get in because, you know, we not only we have the scheduled patients, now we have a backlog of patients. Mm-hmm. So so we're trying to get through them as soon as possible. But uh, yes, you know, yeah. I would recommend staying on schedule. Not that the pandemic is completely over, because mm-hmm. of course, we're still seeing signs of it here and there. But certainly it has subsided quite a bit. Um, what does the hospital look like now compared to the way that it did even a year ago? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest change which has occurred is now we're not masking in the hospital. It's not mandatory. But if you are a patient who would like for us to be masked, you know, it's still optional and you can request for everybody to who's taking care of you to mask. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, we used to um, see everybody uh, who are getting any kind of procedure, they would be tested for COVID. Um, that has dropped now. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, patients who have diagnosis of COVID, we are still postponing their procedures. Yeah. Um, so we ask them to wait for 10 to 14 days before they reschedule. I've noticed, too, that in the general population, uh, outside of the doctor community, the medical community, um, it seems like people have really sort of forgotten about it already. Maybe they remember the experience of the two years and all that stuff, but they're really not worried about COVID anymore. How is it in the medical community? Is it still a big concern for you, or, or are you guys just more knowledgeable about it now and better equipped to handle it? Uh, yeah, very, you know, very good question. Yes, we have more and more information. We have also a more variety of treatment options for COVID. So, uh, you know, with the vaccinations and the treatment options, uh, I think so the hesitance has decreased. Also, the newer variants or, you know, the current COVID patients, they're not as sick as they used to be mm-hmm. um we still are struggling and seeing patients who have long COVID. you know especially when they get anesthesia some respiratory sensitivity uh, but uh, you know the current infection is not as scary as it yeah. used to be yeah um not that i want to focus on COVID the whole time because yes. i think people are so ready to move on to that but i hear that term a lot long COVID. what exactly yeah. does that mean yeah i mean it is various kinds of sequelae which we see after patients recover from that acute infection but still have some symptoms including sometimes respiratory sometimes gastrointestinal like abdominal discomfort uh, but mostly respiratory symptoms where their uh, airway or respiratory tract is a little bit more sensitive um, to any kind of uh, stimulus and Mm -hmm. anesthesia when we do procedures you know we give you sedation and that just makes them more sensitive Mm -hmm. Yeah, good to know. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I hear it all the time, but I don't exactly yeah, know. So yeah. I was always curious. Um, you guys suffered a big flood a mm-hmm. few months ago. The pipes burst yes. and um, you basically had to get a whole new OR. Um, yes. It was so tell me more about that, what happened and what what was done to remediate it and, and what you're looking yeah, at now. Yeah, absolutely. So it did affect a lot of our um, OR and the entire OR actually had to be shut down. So we had to transport all the patients required any kind of surgery to Portsmouth Regional Hospital since it's the sister hospital for us. And uh, but now uh, two weeks ago, the OR was restarted. And now we have a very nice brand new OR with because now it's new and, you know, we get all the up to date equipment. It gave us a chance to 
you know, update everything. And uh, so we have a brand new OR now and yeah. we have an excellent surgeon who was on the podcast previously, Dr. Morgan. Yes. yes. Um, and he's, you know, providing care for patients in the new OR with the new equipment. It's pretty cool. Yes. And, and also the acute rehab is new too. That yes. just recently opened Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. Yes. I think so. Maybe we're trying to see a shift, uh, you know, from a, uh, you know, an inpatient facility which caters to complicated stuff, more to an acute rehab, you know, taking care of more, um, you know, patients who need, uh, you know, a quick help. Um, and, you know, of course, and in terms of gastroenterology, we are doing almost all variety of cases at Frisbee still, you know, endoscopies, colonoscopies, and treating, um, you know, refluxes and bleedings and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. One thing that I loved when I met your CEO, Tim mm-hmm. Jones, I've seen him at many events and, um, you know, he's a, he's a great guy. It seems like you guys are in really good hands with him at the helm. And one thing that he was telling me about was the need for community service. Yes. And that a lot of the leadership now at Frisbee is actually getting back out into the community. I think there's even a certain number of hours that are expected each month. And I thought, what an awesome opportunity for doctors and nurses and staff to get back out into the community. What do you think about that idea? I actually absolutely love that. I am a people person and I love to you know, see people happy and help them, you know, answer their questions. And to a point, sometimes I'm just dealing my own procedures because I want to explain them everything about the procedures. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little bit too inform- too much information, but that's a great idea. And I feel that will help uh, for us to reach out to the community about different information we have to give and also give an opportunity for the community to trust Frisbee again, mm-hmm. an opportunity to see who will be providing care for them um, if needed. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm really excited to see that happen. Well, the, you brought up a great point there, mm-hmm. trusting Frisbee again, because mm-hmm. it has been a community hospital for the I mean, forever. I mean, as long as I remember, um, it's been up there. And um, there has been this weird time for Frisbee where where there is a lot of that mistrust and maybe a lot of misconception out there that Mm -hmm. makes people feel mistrustful. What would you say to somebody that just hasn't been there in a number of years and uh, is, is, you know, maybe seeking care in some other areas, Mm -hmm. but would really benefit from from utilizing the community hospital that's right here in town? What would you say to change their mind as a people person? Yes, absolutely. It's a very good, you know, point. So what I would say what uh, Tim Jones has done and, you know, the the staff over time has done is, of course, you know, probably there were some situations when Frisbee was not adequate enough to handle due to variety of reasons you know either staff leaving you know um, variety of reasons and uh, you know what they have done now is they have streamlined so if there is something more complicated they are better aware at recognizing that and you know sending those things to a bigger hospital like postman regional hospital and so we know now and and things which are handled at frisbee or handled at frisbee in a much more efficient manner because now we know what we can do and we are focusing on that and i feel throughout all of this the one thing which hasn't changed is the commitment of frisbee staff to serve the population Mm -hmm. it was not equipped and it was not very well equipped to probably 
serve certain kind of complicated situations, but the willingness to kind of help people was always there. And now it is enhanced. And, you know, now that we can kind of streamline patients in different directions, I think so what we have, we can help in a much better way. And I'm especially very excited to see the acute rehab as well, because it seems the person who will be running is she's phenomenal and you know uh, yeah yes yeah yes, and she's awesome yeah exactly so i think so you know we will be doing a better job at what we are doing and uh, uh, i can vouch for the surgery team i can vouch for the acute rehab team uh, of course i can vouch for my gi team because they are the best <laughs> i would say so yes please come to the endoscopy unit once and i will tell you everybody all of my patients who i have forced for them to come and you know please give us a chance they have all said i was so scared oh my gosh i don't know why but you guys are phenomenal every one single person has had an excellent experience um and you know i just want everybody to just give it a try one time yeah well that's that's a great endorsement um i saw you really light up when you mentioned your team yes. and tell me more about your team and and why people need to meet them and why, why... yeah absolutely so uh, you know uh, uh, I work as a private practitioner and we work with Frisbee. So I do work at different hospitals in the area. So, you know, we it's the same set of physicians doing different proce- you know procedures at different places and Frisbee. But what Frisbee also has to offer is the amazing ancillary staff. They are take pride in, you know, taking care of the patients. And I don't say that just for saying it, but I really mean it. You know, they'll make each patient feel very comfortable. They'll answer all the questions. Um, and, you know, a lot of times colonoscopies and all these procedures are one of the most ang- anxious things for patients to go through. And they will be uh, very personal and uh, they will sit down and talk and give as much time as needed. Um, and, you know, what is also different is they will not take time into consideration you know a lot of times you know you'll see staff members like oh it's my lunch time and you know mm-hmm. they will pa- go past beyond what is needed mm-hmm. and that is what makes them different and sets them apart not only that they're also of course you know they are very good at what they're doing they've been doing this for many many years but they're still doing it with a lot of compassion and empathy and that's what really sets them apart yeah. and uh, You'll see that when you get there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One, we had talked about the change in services, and one of them, one of the big ones, especially in the press, was maternity. Yes, that they were, that they were not doing maternity anymore, and that they built the acute rehab in its place. And I, I had asked that at one of the city meetings at mm-hmm. one point. We had some people from Frisbee there, and I asked, you know, why, why did you get rid of the maternity? And their answer actually was really surprising to me, and it made a lot of sense. It was something to the effect of that. They were just not delivering the amount of babies that you need to deliver in order to stay in in, in good practice. Absolutely. Um, and they were seeing that happen in other nearby hospitals where they were, say, de- delivering 75 babies a week. And in Frisbee, we were only delivering, say, 10 babies a week. Yes. So it just wasn't enough to stay in good practice. Um, and part of the change, the benefit of the change in services was to get rid of something that people were really not utilizing as much as maybe Absolutely. people think yeah. for something that is actually sorely needed, like acute rehab, which I believe is like the only real acute rehab in this northern area. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's what's, uh, you know, yes, it's going to set it apart. And, you know, just changing 
the things which we offer and uh, doing a very good job at it is going to help us be, um, you know, kind of come back up and, uh, you know, um, meeting the community and meeting the people who work at Frisbee. Even though I've been here only two years, I really, really want it to want to see it succeed because yeah. it's such a fabulous place. It's a place which cares about its population. And yeah, people. well, I can definitely yeah. hear that when you when you speak about it. You can yeah. definitely see the enthusiasm for sure. And I think it's just a good time for people to maybe um, rethink Frisbee and Absolutely. rethink what they what they used to know about it and yeah. and what's actually happening today. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to know more about you personally, though, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'd love to know, like, what what possessed you to get into this field in the first place? What what made you want to be a doctor? Uh, oh, my gosh. You know, that's a, it's, it's such a funny question. Not, of course, <laughs> I get asked that a lot. But, you know, the story is funny because I really don't know. I feel that ever since I knew myself or I have memories, I always wanted to be a doctor. It's, yeah. it's weird. Like I, uh, even when I did not have a memory, a lot of my uh, cousins and siblings, when I used to do role playing with them and I always wanted to be a doctor and they would be like, yeah, you always wanted to be a doctor. I, I do think I really enjoy helping people. And, you know, I really mean it when I say that because it, it might be a selfish thing because I get happy when people get happy with me. I yeah. get happy when people are feeling better. I, I, I feel really happy from inside when they tell me like, oh, you fixed me. And it's a selfish gain, you know, because I'm getting happy from it myself. And so that's why when I'm uh, working, I really never feel that I'm working because it's really, I, I enjoy it to the fullest. And, uh, um, you know, that's what really got me since I was a you know, kid. So oh. I, I don't have a pinpoint, you know, ex, you know, exciting story about yeah. it, but it's just like, I always wanted to be, I just uh, love talking to people and, you know, hearing them. And well, yeah. it sounds like it worked out. Yes, yeah, it did. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you were not in the GI, uh, I don't even know what you call that unit or uh-huh. uh, if, what, what other field in the medical field would you take if you, if you had to choose another path? Oh. Oh, that's pediatrics a, uh, or no, I think so. <laughs> no, no, I am no, a very, not... <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so. I have the heart for pediatrics. I yeah. would just cry every yeah. day. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I don't think so. I, um, I guess I would maybe do oncology or cardiology. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's suddenly a quiz show. Where yeah, just, I know, right? No, all right. it's all right. And, yeah. uh, well, yeah. I wish I had like an elbow or something that I could ask you about or like some, <laughs> get some free medical advice while you're here, you know? Yes. It's like, that's what uh, we should do is take calls, I, you know, yeah. and have people call into the show and ask yeah, about their that would, I, I yeah. wouldn't mind doing that. Actually, so I'm from India, which I'm sure you figured out. Uh, <laughs> and we have free medical camps there. And we used to do that when I was a medical student. Uh, we used to open these like free camps where people who didn't have the means and measures they would come and ask for free medical advice and we would provide that yeah um and uh, you know but i think so it will be a little bit more tricky here with all the medical legal stuff yeah yeah <laughs> so you're from india so tell me more about that because i'm interested in where, where you came from and what brought you here how did you how did you land in rochester i know right it's, it's from big, houston to new york uh, to... It was a, yeah it's a long <laughs> way so uh, yeah i grew up in india i did my med school there and uh, for whatever reason, I decided that I wanted to come to America to do more education. And, uh, you know, I came here because, you know, America does have one of the best educations given. Um, and when I came here, I fell in love with the country and I love 
fell in love with the you know spirit of people um so i decided to stay and i was in new york city before here and uh, you know we had many good long years there and then you know we decided that probably it's time to move once you mm-hmm. want to expand the family and then we went to houston texas that's where i did one year of training and then i stayed there as a faculty at baylor for a few years and i absolutely loved it but then you know there was something missing i just i i just felt i wasn't able to provide an impact with my life as much as i wanted to um you know and i wanted to go to a smaller place where i felt i was going to do more of an impact and i'm sure listening to the entire part of it you might have figured like i really get happy helping people and yeah. i was helping people there don't get me wrong but i i just felt that the impact what well, i just wanted to make a bigger impact and you know feel more useful and i felt uh you know i interviewed at our practice here and they were doing a lot of different things and uh, you know helping people here uh what also set aside this practice was uh we were doing really like a very very top notch procedures despite being in a community hospital mm-hmm. so some of the procedures which we do in our practice they are done in the only we are the only place in the entire state of new hampshire doing mm-hmm. it not dartmouth not anywhere else we are the only people so you know despite doing everything top notch we were able to serve the community and it was really the best combination for me yeah well not only does it serve the community but if it's one of the few places in the state or in the yeah. region then it means it's serving a big population Absolutely. of people that live around new hampshire Absolutely. um tell me a little bit more about some of those maybe um specialized uh either staff that you have there or things that you really can't find anywhere else in New Hampshire or even in the country in some cases. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I would say that they are more of procedures. So there are different procedures for esophageal diseases, like, uh, you know, for acid reflux or for uh, esophageal motility disorders. So there are different procedures which are done to diagnose them. Mm -hmm. And we are the only place in the state of New Hampshire doing them. So if you have severe acid reflux for a long time, and if you're looking for a non-surgical procedure and you don't want to be on medication, we do this procedure called endoscopic fundoplication. It's short form is TIF. And uh, yeah, and then we are the only place doing it. And the other, uh, you know, so there are some like diagnostic motility procedures as well, which we are the only place doing it. And uh, other procedures like, um, you know, ERCPs and different therapeutic interventions using endosonography. Uh, what is endosonography is just like an ultrasound from inside. How do you know that was my next question? Yeah. <laughs> I knew. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> no. Uh, so, you know, like you get an ultrasound from outside, we do it from inside the stomach. And that gives us access to your internal organs mm-hmm. from the stomach. And, and that access has really... Um, given us an avenue to do different things over the last few years and this field has really bloomed so we can do therapeutic interventions using that access so if there is an obstruction in your bile duct we're able to kind of relieve it without you know having to do a surgery or um, you know if we need access to some vessels or your liver we are able to do that from the stomach without having to open you up wow. and um, and it's so we do all of those procedures and here and uh, a lot of those procedures are actually able to avoid surgeries um and you know so that's why um we're pretty happy and chuffed to do that yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
Well, I am so happy to have you on the show, Doctor, and I hope that you'll come back again someday yeah, and talk absolutely. to me a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thank and you for... We're certainly happy to have you in Rochester, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. I'm thank really you. happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting us in. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, like I said. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the show, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.